couple of summers ago, I was away uh, for a couple of days on vacation. I was up in uh, the Adirondacks. I was up in uh, Lake George, and I was away with a priest friend of mine. We went out to dinner one night, and uh, we went to this restaurant, and it was pretty crowded. Um, and we're getting something to eat, and this uh, family comes in. Uh, I think there was three kids. The youngest was probably about two. And uh, they sit down, and they're you know kind of getting settled. And then uh, the two-year-old starts to cry, and uh, like really cry, like really started to kind of scream. And uh, anyway, the mom kind of got him. And I forget what she was trying to, I don't know if she gave him something to eat or a toy or try to distract him, but something. She was definitely trying to quiet him down and uh, like it just wasn't happening. And then just the wheels, the wheels fell off the bus. Uh, it just went from bad to worse. Um, complete like full-blown meltdown on this little guy's part. Um, like the more they tried to stop him or quiet him, seemed like the louder he got. And the whole restaurant kind of just stopped. Like you kind of, you almost could, you couldn't not. Like the kid was screaming so loud. Uh, finally, the dad just picked him up and brought him out, I guess, to the, you know, to the car or to the parking lot, just to, to kind of get him out of that scene. Anyway, I, there was a, a family sitting next to us, you know, seated next to us, and I'm kind of looking at them. They had older kids, and I, I felt like I was reading their mind. Like, the look on their face was like, man, thank God those days are over. Um, and then my priest friend and I, we ordered another drink and toasted celibacy at that moment. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's so hard to change people, isn't it? like really change somebody's behavior. We think we can. We like to think we can. We try. But I don't know if we really can. I mean, we can influence, you hope, right? And maybe inspire. But if somebody doesn't want to change, like, is there anything you really can do? to make them change their mind or their attitude or their, their behavior. Listen to this. Uh, I think this is, well, listen to it. This must have been written by somebody who was a little bit older, maybe had some more life experience. He says this, the older I get, the more I realize that there's a huge difference between speaking effectively, maybe even brilliantly, and actually changing anybody's life. It's one thing to impress a person, inspire them, move their heart, or reveal the depth of some truth. But it's something else, something much more difficult to move someone in such a way that they actually change. Giving up the habits, or the attitudes, or the addictions, that stand between them and freedom. Sounds like it must have been somebody who maybe for a lot of years tried to change people. 
and realized at a certain point, like, if they're not having it, they're not having it. No matter what you say, no matter what you do. I think there's truth to that. It's kind of sobering, it's kind of humbling, but I think it's kind of true. Think alcoholic. Think drug addict. Maybe you've had an experience with someone in your life who's battled you know, the demons of addiction. I'll bet you got to a point where you were like, I've just run out of things to say. I can't find any more ways, creative ways, of getting to this person. I've tried so many perspectives and angles and approaches. You gotta stop, you gotta stop this. But like, they won't, they don't, they can't. And I think like you realize, most of us, like at a certain point, like there's like, there's nothing I can say that's gonna make you stop. Like you run out of, you, you realize like my tank is empty. I just don't got nothing left. I can't, I can't change them. Maybe they can't even change themselves. But I know I can't. That's discouraging, but it's also maybe like a little freeing. Because stopped, I've stopped trying to do the impossible. And I'm not saying we give up on people, and I'm not saying we look the other way, and I'm not saying we don't challenge people at all. But like, if they're not going to change, I just don't think they're going to. Come on, look at the two-year-old. That two-year-old was dependent on everybody for everything. And the people in charge couldn't quiet that little guy down. How about the, that's a two-year-old. How about a, an older kid who's maybe not even a kid so much anymore and has taken this guy seven years to not graduate from college, like still hasn't gotten the degree. More incompletes, more D's and F's than you thought were possible. More changes of major, more different colleges that were attempted. You've tried everything. You just can't get through. Like, they just won't study. They just won't work. They won't go to class. They just won't seem to commit. So at a certain point, you kind of stop. You become like that guy who wrote that quote, and you're like, you know what, all right, I, I, I'm, no, I'm no more speeches. No more threats. You just start praying for them. You pray that they mature. You pray that they kind of grow up and start, you know, kind of being age appropriate. You kind of just turn it over to God. Because you're just like, man, I'm striking out. You know, somebody sent me this uh, article not too long ago. It was about 
AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. I was, I was talking about, I referenced AA and the 12 steps at a, at a mass a couple of weeks before. So this person mailed me this article. It was a great article, just talking about the principles behind the 12 steps. They're unbelievable, like they're, they're amazing. They're almost, they're almost like another gospel. <laughs> I talked about this last night at St. Mary's and a woman came up to me after mass and she said, Al-Anon saved my life. She said, I was losing my mind because of my alcoholic husband. And I had nobody, I thought I had nobody to talk to. And the power of this community and the power of turning it over to God, she said, it saved my life. And she just kind of like walked away from me. She was so matter of fact. You know what I think happens sometimes when you talk about AA or the 12 steps? You're like, most people, or a lot of people, are like, well, I don't know. It's not a problem in my life or anybody in my life, so it's just not really that important to me. It's a great thing for people who need it, but I just kind of don't need it. I'm not, a, I'm not an addict. I mean, nobody really in my life is, so, I, you know, I don't really need it. I'm not so sure. I beg to differ. And I'm not saying you got a drinking problem or a drug problem or somebody in your life does. I don't know. But I am saying this. I mean, aren't we all addicted to stuff? I mean, who's not addicted to something? And this is the problem. I think we always think of, yeah, like, oh, what are you talking about? Like the, the guy who's sleeping in the gutter? The guy who got thrown out of his house because of the, the drug use? I mean, yeah. But I'm not just talking about that. There are all kinds of addictions. Like, I think we exempt ourselves because we're not one of those people. But who's not addicted to something? How about this? You were married. And he cheated. Like, more than cheated, he left. Like, awful betrayal, crushing, debilitating betrayal, the pain of that. But it continues because he's been, continues to be awful. He's now with somebody and my kids twice a month have to be with the two of them. And I have to almost undo what they experience every time they come back. I resent the fact that these two people have got an influence over my kids. He tries to buy their affection. Like it's disgraceful. It's enraging. And I can't get past the anger. And I don't know, maybe you shouldn't get past it, but I'm paralyzed by it. I'm addicted to anger. Oh, there's maybe an addiction. It doesn't have to be just something we drink or inject or swallow. Man, I'm kind of sometimes a, a really bitter person, really angry, and for incredibly good reason, angry. But it's made me like somebody that I don't even recognize anymore. I'm addicted to the anger. How about this? You've been married for a lot of years. And your husband is clearly like 
slipping uh, cognitively. Something's up. Everybody knows it, but nobody's really addressing it. The kids see it because they're not around that often, so then they're like alarmed, but nobody's doing anything. And you're the spouse. And slowly, like, you feel like you're losing your husband or your wife. And you're also losing patience. You can't believe some of the things you find yourself saying in frustration. And you feel terrible about it. It's like I've become addicted to impatience. Well, maybe it's sort of on the other end. Like, I'm working, I'm married, I got a couple of kids. The job I got is, is tough and it's a lot. I come home, I'm shot. The kids, I got to deal with homework and dinner and everything at, at home. And it's just like, it's getting to be just too much. And I'm screaming all the time. Like I'm screaming at them way more than I should. I'm, come on, we all scream sometimes, like that's life. But this is like too much, too often. And I feel bad about it. They're looking at me like, what's wrong? They don't understand it because it's not warranted. I'm just overwhelmed. I'm addicted to impatience. It's controlling my life. Well, me, how about this? Speaking of control, you're a control person. You're like just kind of a control freak. And you know it. Everybody knows it. People kind of joke about it. You're a very good person, but you got to call the shots. You kind of always have. And in some aspects, it's been good for you. Maybe you're successful at work because of it. You're a leader in a lot of ways because of it. But you're also a control nut. It kind of has to be your way. The person I married was sort of okay with that, so I've sort of continued to call the shots. My kids don't really know any better, so they've adjusted to it over the years. But now I have a, now I have a daughter-in-law. And I'm realizing, like, I can't really call the shots anymore. In fact, it blew up the other day because uh, there was conversation about what we're doing for Christmas. And my son is talking about not being at our house on Christmas Eve. We've done that forever. But he also just married somebody who came from a family. And they had Christmas Eve traditions. So he's trying to juggle both worlds. And I'm just not having it. I'm just not accepting it. And I'm being terrible because of it. I'm addicted to control. And then something happens. Hopefully. Something happens to us. After maybe a lot of years of various addictions, like a, a light bulb goes off. God shows up. It's not a light bulb, it's God. Grace happens. And I realize, you know what, I... I can't do this myself. I can't keep being this way. I can't manage my life. I'm upsetting too many people. I need help. I need God. Because I don't think I can do this myself. It's like, I don't think I can stop the two-year-old from crying myself. 
I don't think I got the ability to do it in the moment. I mean, look at these, these 12 steps, even just a couple of them. The first one says basically, I can't do it. I can't manage my life, or at least important parts of my life. I've kind of lost control. All right, there's a great acknowledgement. And then the second one is, first one is, I can't do it. Second one is, but I know somebody who can, who can help me learn to do it. It's God. Like, I need God to pick up the pieces. Another, another step is, and I got, because of that, I got to pray. I just got to become a stronger, more consistent person of prayer. That's going to help. That, a relationship with God is kind of maybe going to be the, the difference. And I also need to heal the hurts that I've created because of my addictions, whatever they are. I know I've messed things up. I've hurt people. And I got I to gotta try and make that right. I need to turn this mess over to God. And I got to spread the word. How is that stuff not of God? You know, we, we heard tonight from John the Baptist, or heard about John the Baptist. He's a big guy in, in, in Advent. He's sort of like a drill sergeant. He's like a, the wake-up call. He's like an alarm clock saying, hey, wake up. Look at your out-of-control life, or at least parts of your life that totally could be better than they are. Like, wake up. The word he uses is repent. Take stock. And they use all these kind of poetic images. Like, he straightens the, the, the road that's all crick, windy and hilly and potholes. He fills the holes. He levels off where it's, you know, this hills. He straightens it out. What's he doing all that for? He's making a straight path for us to get to God. He's like the guy, like, out at the airport, the guy on the tarmac where the plane lands, and you're looking out the window, and the guy's there with the flashlight, and he's like, he's pointing the pilot, go this way. That's John the Baptist. He's saying, it's this simple. If you want your life to be healthy, if you want to get more, you know, healthy management of your life, you got to know who God is. Jesus is the answer. So I'm, all I'm doing, John, is I'm pointing you to him. So let me ask you this question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to presume something here. We all are addicted to something. So that means on some level, we all kind of need like a, this 12-step thing. And maybe it's not drink or drugs, although maybe it is. It doesn't really matter what it is. But for all of us, the stuff that's not good, that's not right. Why do we have these four weeks of Lent? Why do we do this candle lighting thing? It's like four weeks to try to wake up. Four weeks to focus and look at what's not great in my life and which I don't think I can fix myself which I realize I need God, I need to invite Christ in. And you can't make the two-year-old stop crying. And you can't make the 22-year-old study if they're just not gonna. You can't make somebody become sober or less angry or more patient or less controlling 
we try, but at a certain point, we're like, they're not going to do it until they decide to do it. We can't do those things. But God can. God does. Hey, we got a bunch of parents here tonight of, of first and second graders. I said it at the beginning. Hey, parents, on some level, in an unspoken level, you guys are saying, yeah, like, I need, I want my kid to know who Jesus is. Like, that's why we're here tonight. Like, I want my, I want my, my, my little girl or my little boy to have a relationship with Christ. Man, it's awesome. It's so smart. It's so 12-step. It's like, yeah, I, I know this much. Like, I, I can't do this myself. Life is tough. Thinking I can crack the code and solve every problem? Like, who am I kidding? Nobody can do that. Fools attempt to do it. So we need God. That's why we got a church. That's why we got sacraments. We need a savior. We need to be saved. So this Advent, just get to God.